The Red Robin podcast is powered by Budget Tyres Auto Centre, the only car specialist trusted by supporters, players and club officials. Head down to Leeds Road and check them out for all your motoring needs. Hello and welcome to this week's Red Robin Podcast Weekly. Joining me this week is James Perlin and Craig Eskeret to give their opinion on the Robins' retro round victory over the Catalan Dragons and they give their thoughts on the upcoming round 25 fixture against the Huddersfield Giants. We discussed the news that Jordan Abdul is back in the squad after a three-month layoff due to injury and we bring you all the other squad news ahead of Friday's big game at Huddersfield. And we're also joined by Bry from the Six Again X account, as he tells us about Rugby League shirt day. Uh, Craig, it's been a while since you've been on the Red Robin podcast, mate. How you been? How you been doing? Yeah, not so bad, thank you. Thanks for having me on. No problem. What have you made of the Rovers' season so far? Um, I think well, it's a lot better than last year for me. Put it that way. Um, you know, getting to Wembley. Albeit, you know, we lost. Um, I'm playing for a playoff spot. Um, I think up to now it's successful in a kind of funny way. Yeah, James, I mean, a lot of people would have looked at the Challenge Cup final defeat and, and predicted that Rovers would sort of fall off the fall off the cliff and, and the season sort of fizzle out. Credit to the Robins and Willie Peters and, and the senior players and, well, all the players really because they've, they've gone, gone again. Um, victory over Lee, a much-needed victory, a bit of vengeance there. And, of course, uh, the Robins' first victory uh, over the Catalan Dragons in nine games, I think. Uh, what is it? Uh, four years? For, for, uh, no, just four over three years. years. Yeah, four years. Yeah, four years. Four years so it, yeah. yeah, so it's been a long time coming. And, and um, the performance on Friday night, of course, retro round, we saw uh, some of the old favourites back at Craven Park, not least... Uh, Dr. Dr. Jive, who was just talking about him one week before we came on. Um, a welcome addition, I think, James, to the to the match day uh, entertainment. Yeah, it was. I think I, I think the um, I think the club have got to take great credit for actually putting something on like retro around it. Some it was something a bit different, and um, I, yeah, great. You know, it's great to see Dr. Jive. You know, I remember sort of seeing him in his in his heyday, and I think I said before the uh, we came on air that. You knew it was a big game when Dr. Jai was doing the pre-game. Um, but, uh, yeah, still, uh, it's, it's still got it. It's still got it. Even though it's, you know, slightly uh, greyer of, of hair than, uh, than, it, than it was back in the day. But, no, I thought, I thought you know, full credit to the club. You know, just even even the graphics on the scoreboard as well, you know, that was just like back to the the original scoreboard they had at Craven Park that, you know, broke and they couldn't repair. But, uh, yeah, full credit to, to uh, I know they do it some, some they do every year. Yeah, good evening, Bazza, uh, Derek, Mike, watching over on YouTube. Great to have you on board. Please, if you are watching, get involved in the comments section. Let us know what you think about what we're discussing. Um, James, Craig, uh, Craig, was you in the ground early? Did you see any of the academy side's uh, performance against the, the British Army? Uh, I saw about the last about half an hour of it. Um, pretty good. You know what, I think again, just James was uh, saying how well the club had done there with the retro on, but I thought it was brilliant that they'd put on yeah. something to the academy against the, you know, the army lads, and yeah, it was good to see, you know, I think everyone was in Craven Street at the time around me, and it was kind of like, there was a buzz about it, um, I thought it was good to see some of the youngsters that were coming through, and some of the skills that they, they put on as well. Yeah, James, it was a fantastic performance, and by the end of the game, there was a real buzz about the place, and and the players, you know, the academy players, they deserve that that exposure, and they deserve the opportunity to have more eyes on them. And, and to be fair, not many people would have predicted that scoreline. Uh, scoreline, bear in mind, this is the best the British Army have to offer. Offer, of course, the end of the Challenge Cup as well. The uh, the normally first round, it get into the second round. You know, they normally do quite well in the competition, but really, it was it was men against boys. But it was the yeah. The, the men of the academy against the boys of the, the British Army, wasn't it? With a scoreline, you know, reflecting a fantastic performance. Yeah, well, it was. I mean, unfortunately, so the last sort of 20 minutes or so. But uh, again, it's just great that we were able to have something like that on. And I think also full credit to, to the Army lads. And, you know, you know, I remember it was only a few years ago that Rugby League was banned in the forces. And, you know, so the fact that, you know, they, they were able to play in the Challenge Cup and have that exposure, you know, with the Navy and the RAF. 
you know, I, th- I think it's great. It just shows how far and how you know inclusive um, inclusive our game is. But you know, I think for the academy lad, you know, it was a great you know great experience. You know, essentially, as I say, they are playing again. You know, they're playing against men. You know, and fit you know fit guys as well. And to to, to, to put that sort of scoreline on them. You know, again, just really, I think, gives a real positive ind- indication of the, you know, type of quality and the um, the players we've got coming through the academy. That it's going, it's going to bode well for the uh, future, uh, future of the club as they look to bring on more, more, more homegrown talent. Yeah, and talking about the future of the club, it was announced earlier this week that, um, bear with me. Three players from the academy had signed professional terms. Um, Harvey Horn being one of them. Um, is it Leo Ellis? Oh, I'm just trying Len- to struggle. Lenny Ellis and, and Lewis, Lewis, Lewis uh, Gorman. Yeah, so- Lenny Ellis and Lewis Gorman. I mean, for, from the snippets we've seen of them um, this season and, and what we've heard, I mean, uh, we hear about them on social media, we hear snippets about how they've been performing in the academy. Um, I know Jason Neverton talks very highly about their prospects. Obviously, Willie Peters must be involved in the decision-making in terms of offering them these contracts. I think two-year professional contracts. Great to have them on board. And hopefully, Craig, you know, we are going to start seeing more players from the academy featuring the first team over the next few years. Yeah, definitely. I think that's what, you know, fans love to see. Um you know, as fans, we want to see him given a chance, given an opportunity. And, you know, Willie Peters, I know he's, he spoke highly of the youngsters and wanting more homegrown talent coming through. Uh, and I think like you just said about, we've seen snippets. Uh, one one player I'm really looking forward to seeing is uh, Louis Gorman. Like, I know he played at Wigan. Um, I thought, he did, you know, he did really well. And, you know, you've seen clips of him in the Yorkshire uh, Lancashire games yeah. um, so I'm really interested to see how he develops and obviously Sean Kenny Dowell is going to be part of um, have more of like a coaching role next year as well which is, is well, it can only be exciting for these youngsters coming through Yeah it's a great point that Sean Kenny Dowell I think he's going to act as a, an intermediary between the first team set up and, and the, uh, the academy side um, and someone like Louis Gorman, you know, they're not going to get a better tutor than, than Sean Kenny Dowell, are they? So it's, it's exciting times for them boys and, and we wish them all, of course, the best of luck. Uh, retro round, the main act, James, was, of course, Bulkington Rovers versus the Catalan Dragons, league leaders. I'm uh, oh, sorry, yeah, uh, league leaders at the right, time. Yeah. Uh, Catalan Dragons, 26 points, 18 victory. Um, Hard-fought victory, James. It was toe-to-toe for much of the game. I wouldn't say it was a dazzling performance from the Robins in terms of the what they did with the ball, but it was a really, really uh, good performance in terms of how they dug in, how they kept in the arm wrestle, um, how they didn't take a backward step against a, a very forceful and powerful Catalan pack and and a, a Catalan side that boasts one of the best defensive records in the in the league. And I dare say, James, uh, Rovers of of previous may have gone on to lose this because, of course, Catalan. Uh, we're leading at halftime, fourteen points to twelve. But but ultimately, um, the Robins prevailed, and, and I think there was good value for it in the end. The were, and I think you know it's a really really gutsy performance. You know, obviously coming on the back of uh, giving Lee a bit of a tonk in the previous week. Um, I, I think you know I, you don't like to talk about free hits in games, but I don't think anybody really expected us to you know to to, to beat Catalans on uh, on Friday night. And I think you know when the sort of the warming up in the first sort of ten minutes or so, I said, you know, saying, God, you look at the size of them. You know, there's a fear that they could potentially just steamroller us. Just, just the sheer size of those those forwards against ours. And you know, we've got some big lads in there, but they're just towering above us. And you're thinking, if they can get a fo- Catalan's got a foothold into this game, then we'll, you know, it, it could be could get a bit of a long night. But no, it was a really good performance. That you know, they faced up to them. The you know, the sort of Matched him in, in the arm wrestle, and at the end of the day, thoroughly deserved the yeah, thoroughly deserved the victory in the second. You know, that going into that second half, you know, the, I think they sort of dominated Catalans. I think you know they really, really deserved the result at the end of the day. Yeah, and Craig, we saw that power, didn't we, early on when Navarrete went over for the first try uh, for Catalan. I think it was his first try for the Dragons. Um, he crashed over down the middle um, after a couple of power plays, and and you know. As good as the Rose Pack was, that early, that early try, um, I don't know. The, 
the crowd seemed to go just a little bit quiet when when that went in. But I mean, the Robins responded fantastically, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I, I was still probably appealing for an incorrect play of the ball, to be honest. So, <laughs> well, it, it, it hits. Um, I think it was Schneider, wasn't it? I think he's he's in around the rook, and I think they play it. It comes off his knee. Um, I know. I think it was Matty Parcelli. He's appealing to the referee after the try, but you know, Fela waved him away. Um, but there was a few people who were probably probably protesting the same as you, Craig. Then. Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, looking back, you know, it is hard to tell from the camera angle. However, you know, defensively probably could have been better. Uh, but the response, you know, just said about it, that was brilliant because the crowd did go a bit quiet and you just thought, oh, is it going to be one of those nights again? Um, but full credit to him, you know, that there wasn't free flowing, in, I suppose, in the first half in attack. Um, but the managed to find a way and a grand out. Uh, Equalising try, yeah, and uh, if it was the the performance might not have been free flowing, but Rovers' uh, try, uh, first try of the game certainly was Sean Kedal going over. Um, the ball came out from Matty Parcel. I think it then goes to Minchella. It goes to Snyder. It goes to Lewis, and then and then Sean Kedal crashes over. I mean, them them four players there are so pivotal in attacking players, aren't they? Um, James Elliot Minchella departing early on. Uh, obviously, he's filled as HIA, and Dean Hadley replacing him. I mean, he was a huge, huge loss on the on the night, wasn't he? And and, and the fact that Rovers still went on to to gain the victory in spite of one of our players of the the season uh, being off the pitch for so long was, was great credit to the Robins. It, it, it was, I think. You know, it was a sort of really, really big blow, particularly them going off uh, going off so um, so early in the game. But again, you know, the fact that you know Hadley was able to come on. And just really slot, slot seamlessly into 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 the into the team and just do what you know Dean does. He just you know is a machine, really, isn't he? He just sort of he just gets on and just does the stuff, you know, you know, quietly, just just but effectively. And you know, we didn't. I don't think we really lost any. You know, we didn't. We, we perhaps lost a lot. Some some of the. Um, I suppose the sort of the the go forward and the sort of the running skills that you know Minchella brings to the um, brings brings in the middle. Um, but yeah, I think you know, the tack, you know, Dino's tackling and his sort of defensive skills probably more than compensated for that, which probably at the time was what was, what was needed to you know to really contain uh, contain the Catalan forwards. Yeah, and and the game was there been unflowing, Craig, and and uh, not least on the scoreboard we saw Catalan get a penalty in front of the sticks. Um, they slide over to make it eight six, and and that's on the back of a, a penalty given away by Reese Kennedy and. and Craig, I mean, Reese Kennedy, without doubt for me, one of the most improved players over the course of the season. Um, unfairly had some some doubters early on, even midway through the season, people questioning his ability, etc., etc. For me, um, I think he's shown everything that he can do, and I think there's still much more to come. You would say, though, his Achilles heel is that he does give penalties away and he does does concede them in sometimes key positions or at pivotal times of the game. And, and thankfully... Um, the one he gave away there didn't come and bite us in the end, but he's still got a, a few a few things he needs to sort out his game, in particular maybe his tackling. Um, he seems to give away a few high shots, which um, teams do take advantage of. Yeah, like like you said, I think I think he got some harsh comments uh, towards him at the start of the season. You know, sometimes we don't realise the impact it can have on players from overseas come over and settle, especially like with the weather, with family, etc. However, I always thought, you know, that there's something there, that there's something every game. I thought if he can just improve in this area, you know, he'll, he'll kick on. And, you know, I think he admitted himself that he probably underestimated it a little bit coming over. Um, but he's, he's dug in. He's, he's obviously doing the extra training. His, uh, and his performances are just improving every week. And just going on the tackling, sometimes he's such a tall bloke. Mm. And I think it was, was it Navarrete? He hit the high shot on and, and he's not the biggest of props. Yeah. And I just think it, it, it was a timing thing, which I suppose it's something he can always improve on. Um, but yeah, I think the, the user's height to obviously their advantage. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. And, James Catalan went and scored the next try of the game. Um, Garcia, he powers his way over. I mean, you mentioned about Dean Hadley's defence and how good it's been and he's always one of the leading players in the tackle account. On that occasion, 
Uh, Dean Hadley gets pushed aside. He's not able to recover, and, and Garcia goes over for a try. And, and um, I don't know. I guess some Rover supporters, probably me included, were thinking mm, we might be in for for a bit of a not a hiding, but we might be in for a, a really good battle here. Um, but they responded, and, and we saw a, a grubber kick from Snyder. Uh, Kane Lynette, he goes over, um, miraculously grounds the ball. I dare say if it was a TV game, um, we saw a different TV angle. Who knows? But that that's not us for to debate, and, and Fairley gives it. Um, it was such a, a good kick from Snyder. And what we saw, I think, from Snyder during the game, James, is a bit of an all-round game. Um, and, and that grubber kick typified his short-kicking ability and... and ultimately, um, what he can bring to the side as well. Yeah, we did. I think we said after the, uh, you know, saw the league game, I think with him and Lewis in the halfbacks, it just gives us a slightly different approach to, uh, to, to what we've had previously when we had Snyder and Mills in the, uh, in the, um, in the halves. And I think probably having Mikey there too, probably maybe sort of feels as Schneider's probably got, he's got a bit more leeway and a bit more license to try, try some of those, Little dink, little dink throughs, and it was, it was a hell of a ball. I mean, I thought it was just going to roll dead, and it's all of a sudden, there's, mm. you know, Lynette was a pounce on it, and you know, full credit to Lynette for actually getting there. Um, and yeah, you're right. If it had been a TV game, it had gone to the screen, no doubt about it. But by saying that, it was right in front of the in goal judge. Thaler was was in the in goal area, so they probably had as a good a view as they're ever going to get. So. Yeah, again, full credit to Dean, uh, sort of Kane Lynette for getting down there, but also for Schneider for putting, actually putting, the, putting the kick in, which is something we've not really done a lot of this season. I don't think, you know, we've sometimes been crying out for those last play, you know, that's last tackle players close to the line, and we've just probably gone gone to the air or just tried to, you know, throw it around a bit to try and create some space there without putting the, you know, sometimes putting the little dink in, putting some pressure on the defence, mm. forcing them to turn, and then potentially getting a, you know, a, a, a six, you know, a, a goal line dropout. Yeah, um, and James, I mean, it is. It was a crucial score because it, it's a big difference, isn't it? Going into <laughs> the changing rooms at half time, uh, fourteen six down, um, or going in the changing rooms at fourteen twelve down, um, and obviously, uh, I doubt it had changed Woody Peters' half time team talk, but it was a row. The Robins who came out first uh, after the the half time uh, break and and scored a, a great try through Jack Walker and that little spell there just seemed to to change the game slightly on its head, James. It, it it did, and I think you know I think we we, we were talking at half just after half time said so, you know really we do need to score first because you just felt as though you know Catalans did score first it could potentially run away from us but yeah great try from uh, great try from Jack Walker. You know, he could have. You know, he had he had senior outside him. You know, he could have you know, passed to him, and senior would have walked in. But no, I think you know, full full marks to Jack for having a go himself. And there was a guy stood next to me. He just he just said he reminded me of Steve Hartley. You know, so going, oh, going back, so, totally. So we're going, you know, in retro around, you know, bringing out the dancer. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was it was a cracking try, and uh, you know, throw it is there for Jack for his uh, performance on the evening. Yeah, I mean, what, what where are you, Craig, with Jack Walker? Because. Um, there's a section of our our fan base so one player plays one half decent game or a couple of decent games, and all of a sudden it's he's the next best thing since sliced bread. And and comparing him to Steve Hartley is a is a mighty uh, mighty comparison. Um, I remember the way he uh, Zenin, his shoulder, That's what he's on about. Yeah, uh, Tenga, uh, Tangai Zenon. I think earlier on he played one good game, and all of a sudden it was we need to sign him up. He's the future. He's such you know blah blah. Um, I think understandably Jack Walker. You know, he's no no doubt he's got the talent, he's got the ability. I mean, on, on Friday, he was safe in defence. He, he slotted into our line perfectly in attack. You know, he's got all the facets of being a fantastic full-back. His injury record, though, you know, is a slight caveat to that. Are you, would you be one who, who gives him a contract or, or do you think we're doing the right thing in terms of, in terms of letting him go come the end of the season? Um, for me, I know what you're saying, like some of the fans, like that Zenon, and you, you can't judge them after one or a couple of games. It, it's a tougher game. So, for example, Friday night, going away to this field, you know, they're a grubby team and you want to see him play well there, not not just the home games. And I think that Zenin, you know, he came in against Salford at home. No one knew him, played well. You know, go to league a couple of weeks later, it's terrible. Um, for me, though, with Walker, again, like you said, there's no doubt he, the kid's got talent. His injuries are a problem, but I wouldn't be able to make 
um, a decision until the end of the year. And, you, you know, you can look at performances from now, well, from last week all the way through to the end, which I know is not fair on the kid because obviously he's got a family to look after. Uh, so I think, for me, I, th I think Rovers have done the right thing in terms of telling him, you know, the, this is what we're doing for the future. You're not in our plans. Um, but it'll be an asset to someone and it'll probably bite his back on the arse. Um, but no, I'm, on, I'm happy with Willie Peters and, and the, the club's decision on this at the moment. Yeah, James, very quickly, uh, Baza85 on YouTube, he, he asked, as it stands, do you, do you three guys think we're missing coup? For me, no disrespect. I don't think we are. Um, I think we have missed him in the sense of if he'd played every single game to this point, I think he'd have been he'd have been fantastic. That said, we're not missing him because he hadn't played, are we? So, James, yeah. I don't know. Do you think we're no, missing I agree. him? I, I, I agree. I, I agree. I think, you know, we've, we've had to sort of make do anyway because he, he wasn't available. It's a shame when he when he plays and if he's on the field, you know, it could would have was is fantastic. Um but so I don't think you know overall we have missed him. I think you know the fact that Walker's done so well at full back, you know, is to an extent covering that. And I think you know to agree with Craig that is a hard one but but I think you know you gotta respect Peter's decision not to offer him a contract. I think you know, it's obvious that you know Walker has got the talent, you know, and it's it's too good for the, he shouldn't be languishing the championship, you know, get snapped up by a super league club. But you know, is he given his injury record, I think it would have been a massive risk. And you know, the club have been criticized in the past for picking players, you know, buying bringing in players who've got a an injury, um she was a checkered injury record, um, and that's come to bite us on the bum. And yeah. I just said that they can really take that, you know, take that risk. Um, yeah, I think if it had signed him up, you know, it would have meant there's less money for some work, you know, to strengthen in similar areas, like perhaps in the forwards. Yeah, well, wherever he does end up, they're getting one hell of a player, I'm yeah. sure. Um, Rovers score two points after that try from Walker. Um, as you said, the game was ebbing and flowing, and then Catalan they take av advantage of a Sam Luckley messy play of the ball. Uh, former Robin, Yud Yaha, he goes, I thought Yaha, he goes over for a try. He barges over after a shift play. And then probably, probably, uh, James, one of the most crucial parts of the game, um, Buske, he uh, goes over the line, he, he pops the ball over. Ben Fehler, crucially, rules it out as not being a try. I think he judges that Buske has lost control of it. The Robins then uh, rush out. Uh, to take the, the the tap on the 20. As they're doing that, Tom Opacic, he carries the ball and then uh, Mano Mau decides to, to not have just one pop at him. He wants to have a second go. The first pop was all right. The second one, he uses a swinging arm. Ben Fehler rules it's uh, 10 minutes in the bin for him. And I suppose, James, that was a, a crucial, the crucial play in the game, that that 20 seconds, 30 seconds of play there from Busquet try being disallowed to Mano Mao's Simbin in, that pretty much swing, swung the game in Rovers' favour, I think. It did. It, it was totally pivotal when you look at game-changing moments. I think that was that was it. I think when we were stood in the East End, it was actually hard to say whether they'd got the ball down. You know, Sometimes you see these, the ball goes down and it sort of flies back up. You think they've dropped it. But, you know, giving credit to uh, to Thaler, he was in the perfect position. He was Wait there, what did you say, James? Hey? Did you just say... Credit to Thaler, I know, I know. <laughs> God, I didn't think that would come out of your mouth, but, uh, especially on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I banged my head the other day. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it was I mean, it... wasn't it? Because if the try had been allowed... The, the, the scoreboard then goes uh, potentially 20-all and then going into to the last rungs of the game, you know, it's it's anyone to win. Mm, it is, yeah. And I think it was. He was in a perfectly position, didn't, you know, backed himself, disallowed it straight away. And as you said, Mao decided to sort of have a, have a go at uh, Opacek and gets through the reserves, gets his, his 10 minutes in the sin bin. And from a Rovers perspective, you know, they took advantage of it. That's all you can ask. You know, if your opposition is down to, you know, to 12, 12 men, you take advantage of it, whoever that you're trying to, you, you, you hope to take advantage of it, whoever, no matter who you're playing, and full credit to Rovers, they did. 
Yeah, it's a really strange one, wasn't it, Craig? Because I don't know if anything could happen between Opa Chick and Mao during the game. But for for that level of aggression and for that, mm. that swinging arm to go in on him, uh, at that stage of the game, it just seemed a, a crazy play and a bit, bit uncalled for, really, because it could have easily given away the penalty, slowed Rovers down and got Catalan back on side and, you know, played on from there with and kept on the pitch. But to, to come up with that play at that time, I mean... I'm not complaining because it benefited us ultimately, but watching it back, it just seemed such a crazy play and it seemed even crazier at the time. You know, it was interesting actually because something happened in the first half and you could see Mikey Lewis. I think he actually he gave away the penalty, Lewis, but um, he was in his ear when he was, you know, dragging him down and there was a bit of a scuffle and you don't really know what gets said on the pitch, um, obviously with the verbals, but obviously, yeah, um, he's, he's had it gone, but, you know, he's the next... Black and white, and age, you know, don't expect anything less. Yeah, no sympathy from me. We <laughs> match up with Mitch Craig, and then we see a bit of magic, don't we, from Mikey? The wrap around with uh, Reese Kennedy, um, and he dances over the try line. Lovely dive uh, for the try. Um, I mean, Craven Park was rocking at that stage, wasn't it? Because you felt like that was pretty much the game, game done and dusted with Mao off uh, in the sim bin, and, and Rose then racing into a. Um, Eight-point lead. I think I think many Robins fans quite rightly, rightly thought that's game over. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know the, the place was rocking, and I think I just said about Mankey then uh, giving a penalty in the first half. I don't think he was actually great in the first half. I thought he went away from his game from the previous week, and it it was I was actually talking to a guy next to me, and I, I said I feel like he needs Willie Peters needs to say something to my half time, just calm him down and getting back playing and focusing on, on the rugby side of it. See, if he does, it, you know, what it, well, he's, the qualities he has. And that's what he showed in the second half. I thought he was a bit more composed. His kicking game was better. His overall like organisation, you could see he was just telling people where to go. And then obviously, you know, that set-up play from, you know, Kennedy, the 1-2 one, and, and through, you know, yeah. It, 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 was a, it was a special moment, that bit, I thought. Especially, like, like you said, I honestly thought at that point the game has won. You know, Mike, Mikey's done it again. Yeah, and ultimately, James, it was it was a good victory, and it was it was ple- more pleasing the fact that we'd managed to to go toe to toe with one of the top sides or the top side in the competition at that time. Um, we ain't folded. We, we stuck to our guns. We stayed in the arm wrestle. Um, and sometimes victories like that are more satisfying than a, a 50 nil or you know what I mean, where you where you run away with it. That was a, a really satisfying one. And and I dare say, James, it bodes well, touch wood, if we do finish in the playoffs, a game like that against uh someone like Catalan and a victory like that hopefully will bode well for us if we do hopefully, fingers crossed, finish in the playoffs come the end of the season. It it will, and I think you know we've, we've been saying all along that you know the, the the level of intensity that the you know the squad and team play at is you know sort of really stepped on, and you're looking at that game on Friday night, and, and it was, yeah, it probably did have the intensity that you'd get in a playoff game, and you've also got to put into context that you know going to the game, Catalan were were um, top of the league, they'd already actually hammered Rovers twice already this season, or be you know in, in France. And they were coming off the back of an absolute shellacking from uh, Wigan at home the previous week. So, you know, they'd, they'd got a few things they wanted to put right. And, you know, they looked like they were going to do it in that first 10 minutes or so. But, you know, as I said, you know, credits were over, guts performance. They, uh, they got into them, they held them off. And at the end of the day, they really deserved the win. You know, they just showed that they can play with that intensity. And, you know, the last two games, I think, will probably make the rest of the year. Uh, Rest of Super League sit up and take notice, but by saying that, I think the next three games are probably more important than the league game and the Catalan game because they're the games that we should be on that performance. We should be expecting to win. So yeah, I know we'll talk about it in a bit, but yeah, I think there's yeah, we'll we'll come game. on to them games in the in the second part of the podcast. I mean, the night got worse. A bad night got worse, uh, even worse for Catalan on their on their return to France. They hired a, a private jet to bring them over from France. Uh, went against the normal travel plans to hire a private jet. When they flew back into France, uh, Perpignan Airport was closed because of 
by Wet was doing, so they had to divert to Montpellier. When they got to Montpellier, the airport was closed, so they had to wait on the plane until they could find transport to take them back to Perpignan. Um, so best laid plans and all that sort of went tits up. Um, and you imagine the Catalan Dragons wouldn't have been very happy at that. But Sylvie, that's not our problem. Uh, very quickly, Craig, uh, I think Jack Walker got man of the match on Friday. Who, who would have been your man of the match? Was Do you agree with that choice? Uh, yeah, uh, pre- yeah. I, th- I thought he was outstanding. You know the other one who didn't get a mention? I know you mentioned him for his um, Paul play the ball, Sam Luckley. I honestly thought when he came on, some of the offloads he got, especially against the big pack, he got us moving forward, got Parcel, you know, just making meetings for fun and got us on the front foot. Um, so I actually thought he did really well. Yeah, another player, James. It's funny about someone who's going way under the radar, I think, and, and he's playing less minutes than maybe he wants to. Um, that he, of course that he'd want to, but Matty Starton seems to be, yeah. you know, a little in that in that engine room. He just seems to come on and burst of energy. Um, he seems to do well in attack. Seems to do well in defence, and and maybe because it's playing shorter minutes than we've maybe been accustomed to with him. But uh, over these last few weeks, he seems to really come into his own and. and of course, they're, they're having to do extra work in terms of not having a player like uh, Sao Sosu available to them at the moment. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens when he is fit and he is available, hopefully, for the league. Uh, Salford game, he'll be back. But, yeah, Matty Starton, James, anyone else who, who stood out for you on, on Friday night? Um, I agree. I think, you know, Walker deserved the man of the match. And I think, you are right about Matty Starton. He does certainly go under, under the radar. And I think it was interesting a few weeks ago. There's people talking about, you know, would he get, you know, should he be in the team, etc. Even even on the interchange bench. And I just think he's shown that, you know, the value he's got to the team. And I think it's been it's been the club about five years or so now. And I, you know, he's great. You know, he's developed all that time, you know, all that time and everything. And I think you know he's a, he's a really good player. And just you know, I think under un, very very underrated in terms of the rest of the team. No, I thought it was actually quite hard to pick who yeah pick pick a player of the match on. Uh, on Friday night, you know, I think yeah, Jack Jack Walker deserved, probably deserved it on the balance for his uh, for his try and just sort of really solidity, yeah, solidity, solidity at the back. Yeah, uh, Ryan Hall, of course, leading meter maker on Friday night. Um, he only made 117 meters, um, bit bit less Happy. than his usual <laughs> high standard. Um, George King, James Bachelor, um, top tacklers with 36. I think Schneider. I think he was second top tackler. I think he made. 27th, yeah. Tackles, I think. Yeah, uh, I, I, I said, I said, I thought coming out the ground, I said, I said, he seems to get through a hell of a lot of defensive work, and yeah, it was phenomenal, very it. effective as well. Yeah, he was. He's, um, he's a, he's a bit of a powerhouse for, for, for in that position, isn't he? He, he mm. does come up with some big defensive players, and he's not afraid to, to run the ball as well, and, and he takes some big hits anyway. That was retro round. That was a 26 points to 18 victory over the Catalan Dragons. Hopefully, we'd have to wait another four years now for, for our next victory over the Dragons. And, and the next one, you know, maybe, who knows, might come in the in the playoffs. Fingers crossed. Let's see. Um, the Robins take on the Huddersfield Giants next. But before we talk about that game and we talk about Jordan Abdul's inclusion, the 21-man squad after a three-month absence due to injury, we've got Bry. From the six again, no longer Twitter account, it's uh, the X account. Um, he's also the man behind Rugby League Shirt Day. Bri, you've been on the podcast before, it's um, a real pleasure to be able to speak to you. I know you was down in London for the Chance Cup final, you had a fantastic time and, and you soaked up the atmosphere, enjoyed the occasion. Um, how are you doing, Bri? You okay, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for having me back on. Um, yeah, it was lovely in London, not the best result for yourselves, but. The, the the day was lovely. Um, some was nice and some good rugby on play, a, a good final. But unfortunately, um, you didn't win, um, which I think they're blame for for um, number thirteen, shall we say, John? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know. I know you take a look at Super League and rugby league as a whole, and and uh, you've got an interest in in not just your side, but. Rugby league, like I said, and, and I suppose very briefly that that Chance Cup final as a neutral, you there just wanting to enjoy the spectacle and, and watch the game. That is what you sell to people who don't know rugby league, who don't know it, because that game had absolutely everything. That, that's the one. That that's exactly what you do. 
I like for my well X page. That's what I try and do. Try and spread the word of the game, um, and that game is what everyone should watch. Who don't watch rugby league? My dad watched it. He's not a big fan, and he couldn't he couldn't get over how how good the game was and how close it was and everything that happened in the game. Um, but yeah, that's exactly what you do. You you need you need games like that. You need games. Like the like your Catalan game the other week, I know it was a bit of a blowout, but it's what gets people going. Um, I've obviously speaking to other people on other podcasts and and in the, on the on socials, and everyone says that realistically, there's no better atmosphere at a ground without a big game than yours. And we, it's part of, it's one of my things that I need to come come over to Craven Park and I need to come and watch a game there. And it was the same in the state in at Wembley. It, it felt like you didn't stop. You didn't stop trying to encourage everyone, even when things weren't going right. When the simbinning and some things weren't going your way, it just it, it it's it's a it's a it's a good thing for yourselves, and it's something that you should be proud of. Something you know that you've built as a club. Starting from the top and then working down to the fans, but realistically, we all know that would be start at the fans and then work the other way down. And it's something you should be proud of, really, as a club. Yeah. Well, make sure you make a visit to HU9, Bry. You'll be uh, you'll be welcome with open arms. Um, but we've got you on to talk about rugby league shirt day. Um, tell me, Bry, about how it came about, why why it came about, and and when it is. Um, it came about last year. This is our second year. Um, it came about to a drunken conversation between myself, my wife, and the guys at Loose Forward Podcast. Um, we had a little conversation. We thought, let's try and do something. Let's raise a bit of money for MND last year and Steve Prescott Foundation, which again we're doing again this year. Um, and this year we're having it on, which is currently down as the last game of the, the 27th round. Um, Friday the 27th of September um, and we're looking we're staying with the same charities this year um, with the Prescott Foundation and the MND Association and we're just hoping that like last year we want people the idea is people to wear the rugby league shirts different ones beautiful ones amazing ones all different types and share them online the idea was that not everyone could do what Kevin Sinfield could done last year with his with his amazing charity um, achievements, like my wife, she's disabled and she can't get out and do things like that. But she can sit, put a shirt on, take a picture, and share it on social media, and we can share the love of rugby league that way. Uh, for those who who can't get out to do these fantastic challenges that everyone does, like Three Peaks, and there's one for the Sahara coming up, and there's cycles, there's constantly ones happening every single day. Um, and that was the idea. It was that everyone could feel a part of it and could take part and hopefully raise as much money as we can. And, Bright, you've got some fantastic amb- ambassadors on board, haven't you, this season, uh, promoting it. In the, and what struck me with the ambassadors you've got so far, Bright, is the, the, the breadth across rugby league. You've got supporters, you've got players, you've got people in the, the disabled game, you've got men, women, you've got... No, a huge amount of ambassadors there. How important have they been to helping spread the message? Absolutely fantastic. Um, we've done 22 so far, including yourselves, which we're very, very, very privileged to have you on board. Um, we've, as you say, we've had some different aspects of the game and it, the help is unbelievable. The the, the reach that these people have made, are helping with us, it, it, it's off the chain. It's something they've like someone like Nick Kennedy and Connor Lyons from from PDRL, we wouldn't normally we mightn't be able to get to that audience from just us putting this out. So to have them on board, and we're we're going to be having a couple of female players this week uh, on board, so that can help on that aspect of the game. And it's just all about numbers and trying to raise as much money as possible, and just. Realistically, the best thing about last year was seeing all the different shirts because we done it the day before Grand Final last year. So, obviously, there was a lot of St. Helens and Leeds shirts, but we had some Sydney Roosters ones, some Salford, Fiji, 
Rochester, you name it, we had it. And anything from NCL, from under-14s, under-12s, it, it was just amazing. And we want to just make it bigger and bigger and bigger every year and just try and raise as much money as possible, really. Yeah, and, and if, Bri, when people do wear the, wear the shirts on, on, on Rugby League Shirt Day, how can they donate? How can they, they get money across so it goes to the, these organisations that need it? If you search either our Instagram or X pages, which is Rugby League Shirt Day, um, if you Google Rugby League Shirt Day, um, give as you live, it popped up, straight right first one, um, and you can donate there. Um, all monies get split evenly between the two charities. Um, so, and but if you need any information, just look for our for our um, social media pages. It's Rugby League Share Day. All the links are there on our on our bios to pack it on. And then on the day itself, take a photo. Um, use our hashtag RLD RL. SD23, and we'll share it as far and wide as possibly we can. Yeah, I know I'm going to be taking part and I'm going to be encouraging as many people I know as possible to, to join in on Rugby League Share Day, and especially you guys who are watching and listening. Please, please, please get involved. If anything, donate a few quid and it's a chance to dig out one of your favourite shirts, put it on um, and, and, and tell people, you know, you're loud and proud about who you support, but also you're supporting two fantastic causes. James, I mean, um, Rugby League, it's got behind many fantastic uh, charitable causes over over a good number of years. This is a another another good cause to get behind. We've seen how uh, much needed these funds are and, and, and how worthy these causes are. And James, I'm sure you'll be taking part as well. Yeah, I will do. I think I think it's I think it's a, it's a great initiative, and I think you know the great thing is anybody, as Brian said, anybody can participate. You know, whatever age you are, you know, you know, any, anybody can do it. And I think you know we've all got a few shirts in the in the in the locker that you know probably go back a few years. I know I have. I sort of try to root them out for uh, last last week's retro round. We've got a few others, so yeah, I'll certainly be participating as well. And I think it's a great initiative, and I uh, hope it goes from strength to strength. Yeah, Bright, I'll be sharing uh, much more about Rugby League Shirt Day on our socials, etc. Over, over the next few weeks. But if, you, if you're not busy, mate, stick around because it'd be great to get your view on, on the, yeah. uh, the, the close of the season. And we've got the Robins have got Huddersfield Giants on uh, Friday night. I mean, Bright, from your neutral perspective, do you think that's uh, the defeat to Lee? Um, I mean, we'll talk about that, actually, Bright. I mean, for me, fashionable circumstances in how that result came about um don't get me wrong i know there's got to be something done um for me it'd have been a replay of the game i mean do you have a different opinion on on the uh, the game against lee which got abandoned after what was it 48 minutes i think due to to floodlight failure and then it having to yeah later no i have the same opinion i've seen so many things it's it's like today i've only seen something that um i can't remember exactly who it was but I, they came on the pitch for Lee, ran the ball in, the lights went off. They restarted on Sunday. Um, they played the ball and walked off the pitch and was replaced by Tomamo or, or Afiata. And you're like, right, well, you know, and for me, should have just restarted it, basically. Because um, your head can drop, you can... Some some injuries in that game because you had to name the same seventeen. There's just different circumstances. It's just been a lot easier if they had a midweek game, maybe on Monday or Tuesday, push their game back at the week the week later, like move your game to a Sunday maybe, and move Lee's game. But obviously they weren't going to do that because Lee on the telly on Friday. Hmm. So it was a bit hard out to to come around to it. I don't think it's the right conclusion. But this is the RFL and this is rugby league, so anything can happen, can't it? <laughs> Just different rules, different days. Yeah, I mean, Craig Ian Watson wasn't happy. He went on a on an epic rant again. Um, I mean, some of the stuff he came out with was a nonsense, really, though, about how the Lee players were fast asleep while his boys were still on the coach, going back to Huddersfield and anything. But it's not that you're not going to the moon and back. You're going mm -hmm. literally. An hour down the road, so I think some of the stuff it came out with, but he did make some valid points about the variables how they change with a few days and and 
like Bryce said, there was um, some some. Um, if we're talking about the integrity of the game, some some interesting interchanges that went on. And to be fair, though, Huddersfield were just as guilty. I think it was Jake uh, Wardle. I think he came on literally before the floodlights went off, and then as soon as the game resumed, he was back off again. I think he made one carry. That was it. That was his contribution. So there was both at it, but um, I suppose that conclusion can only work in the Robins' favour. Uh, well, I'd like to hope so because uh, just uh, want to echo what you and uh, Brian said. It, they, they are a fellow. They are a farce. I've never known an organisation like it. They couldn't organise a piss up in a brewery, honestly. It's but as fans, we don't we shouldn't be talking about the RFL. You know, it's it's it for me on outside it. It's just common sense. Replay the game, the the full game on a Sunday. Like I never knew about the the subs. I, you know, it's it is gonna question the integrity of the game, like you said, and you know, I, I do hope it um it helps us on, on Friday night. Yeah, well, we'll talk about integrity. We won't we won't mention the match review panel. Um, <laughs> and, and some of their findings and then the subsequent appeals and blah de, blah blah but uh, James I mean you, you look at where Huddersfield are ninth placed on 20 points um, they needed that victory against Lee it, it wasn't forthcoming even if they win the next three games they're still probably going to finish outside the playoffs um, so it is going to be interesting to see what kind of Huddersfield Giants side we see on Friday night? Uh, they've named their squad, Theo Farge and Adam Milner, they drop out. Uh, Jermaine McGilvery and Adam O'Brien, they return to the squad. Um, they're the third lowest try scorers. Um, they've done the least amount of offloads, whereas Rovers, they've got the most offloads. I mean, Huddersfield, 137 offloads. Rovers, 259 offloads. I mean, should, should we be getting too far ahead ourselves? Because Rovers have got their own problems, haven't they, in terms of... James Batchelor and Elliot Minchella missing uh, through injury. Um, could this be a bit of a banana skin for the Robins? I think it could be because I think, you know, particularly historically, you look, we've, we don't seem to do well at John Smith Stadium. <laughs> you know, every time. Is that what you know, it's from, called now? I lose track I of it. I think it's a Galpine or whatever it's called, <laughs> a Calpine. Um, I mean, for me, going going there, every time I go there, it just seems to be cold, it seems to be wet, it seems to be windy, it just seems to be miserable. Rovers don't tear up, they get beat. Um, and then we get stuck on the M62 on the way. And then we get stuck on the M62 and trying to get out of Huddersfield. Yeah, it's always, it's always a horrible night. But Huddersfield got nothing to lose, have they? Mm. Um, and I'll be honest, I thought, you know, I've been very surprised how how they've really underperformed this season. I actually, at the beginning of the season, had them win the, you know, the league leaders. Wow. Yeah, given the recruiting, the end of the season they had last year, the recruitment they've had, I thought, yeah, they could do it this year. But then, for whatever reason, they they, they haven't. And I think, out of all the teams we've seen at Craven part of the season, I think they were probably the worst. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you know Wakefield, you know Wakefield obviously bottom, but they actually had a go when they created Craven Park, whereas Huddersfield were just utter garbage. Um, but mm-hmm. so it's yeah, I think I've got potentially bananas skin Friday night, and I think we just need to. If we can re- recreate, obviously, what how we played against Lee and uh, Caroline in the last couple of games, you know, play to our potential, even without the um, without Minchella and Bachelor, you know, hopefully we should have enough to uh, get us over the line. And as I said earlier in the podcast, I think it's Friday night's game is probably even more important than the Lee and Catalan game because they've done the hard work against Lee and Catalan. The next three games are ones we'd expect to win, you know, and. If we don't win, then potentially the the other two, last two games of wasted opportunity become wasted opportunities. Yeah, Bright, as it stands now, do you think the Robins have anything to fear from from this giant side? No, no. They they they, they have that. They, they seem to have the tendency to switch off. Um, you you, you just got to look at what happened. Was it when you played Leeds and? The, the kicking out to drop goals straight on the f- kind of thing. And yet, do you just have this thing to implode and switch off this season? So, no, I say I say no, but it could just feel as, as James says, it's not. I don't live far away. It's normally rainy. It's normally horrible. It's normally, don't get me wrong, it's been gorgeous this week, but <laughs> it's just one of them games where you think, if you're gonna if you're gonna slip up, it's this one. Because of how close it is and 
but it's also one of them where you could slip up, but everything else will go your way anyway. So it's you should should get across the line. Oh, again, what you can only say is a very poor Huddersfield team this season. After what they've done last year, or the height, some of the signings they made, you you think that they shouldn't be where they are. They really shouldn't. Um, but yeah, I think you've got enough to get get past them, and then um, fingers crossed that everything else over the weekend goes your way, so it doesn't go down to the last one. <laughs> we'll see. Hey, this is all Kingston Rovers. N- nothing. <laughs> uh, Craig, I mean. Irrespective of Huddersfield Giants and their form and their league position, a Rovers side that doesn't feature Elliot Minchella and James Batchelor is a weakened Hulkington Rovers side. I think that'd be fair to say. I mean, for me, James Batchelor, he's, he should be in the conversation around the, the dream team coming to the end of the season. And we've seen how influential Elliot Minchella can be. And let's not forget, I think these two are our two top tacklers as well. I think they'll lead the tackle count. Remove them from the side and then replace them with two others, um, you know, they are two big holes to fill. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think because we've seen Hadley play loose four a couple of times, I can, I'm can. i more than confident that he can, he can do a job. The, this question marks over the second row because I think when James Batchel was injured for that period after Magic Weekend, we seemed to drop off quite a bit as well. Um and that is a concern because I've got a feeling Kynos might play there. And you know what you're going to get from Kynos. He'll give he'll give 100% every game. However, sometimes 100% isn't always good enough. Where with Bachelet, he's got the quality, he's got the skill. He, you can see him talking to his teammates. He's an organiser. And, and he leads from the front. Um, so I think, yeah, with Bachelet, I, he's going to be a bigger miss for me than um, Minchella. Yeah, James, uh, the two players who are coming into the squad to replace them, uh, Louis Johnson um, and the returning Jordan Abdul. Of course, we've not seen him um, in a Rover shirt since he, he went off the pitch against Catalan way back way back when, what, three months ago now. It's been a, a long time. Um, big talk about where he's going to feature. Willie Peters in his press conference uh, yesterday said that he's going to be given to the end of the week to prove his fitness. So there's still question marks over him, whether that's a bit of smoke and mirrors to try and, and fool uh, the, the Huddersfield Giants. Um, his inclusion in the squad, though, James, has been um, welcomed, but it's left a lot of supporters questioning where he fits into the Hull Kingston Rovers side at present. Um, you'd be hard to dislodge Mikey Lewis and Brad Schneider from the side in terms of the half-back positions which has then led many people to suggest that Jordan Abdul should feature at loose forward. Um, for me, that is a big no-no. I just, like we said, with, with Minchella and, and Bachelor missing and their defensive work, what they get through, to then put in someone like Jordan Abdul, who's returning from injury, doesn't want to be in the defensive side of the game, wants to have ball in hand. I just, I just cannot see how he fits into that 13 position at the moment, James. No, I can't either. And I think it's interesting what Peter was saying about, you know, you know, proving his fitness till the end of the week. And like I said, I think that is probably a bit of smoke and mirrors because, you know, I don't think Peter's has got a track record of playing players who are not 100%. Yeah, you, you can't, you, you, for me, you can't displace Lewis and Schneider at half. So does he go into Lewis, Abdul go to Lewis forward again? I don't think he does because I think Hadley gives you that defensive uh, solidity that we're going to miss from Bachelor and, uh, and and Minchella and sort of, sort, of, sort of plugs that gap. For me, if Abdul's fit and he's going to play, he plays him off the bench. Do you think that, can we can we afford that, Craig? Can we afford him off the bench? Because Huddersfield, you know, they've got some big old forwards, aren't they? They like to beat you up a little bit and, and we're probably going to need, you know, obviously Lytton, uh, if he doesn't start, um, we're going to need him on the bench. We're probably going to need three forwards. Abdul, for me, he doesn't. He doesn't physically. I don't think physically can stand up to to the Huddersfield side at this stage, which would lead me to suggest that I think James is right. Hadley at loose forward for me. Johnson would go into the second row, and then it'd be either Aiden, um, probably Aiden, maybe Jimmy Kynost, who then goes onto the bench um, to to counter the the Huddersfield threat. But but if Abdul's not playing in the halves for me, he don't he don't play at all. He just, I don't think, I don't think he warrants 
the the opportunity to walk back into that side? No, I think you're right. I think Schneider and Lewis the last couple of weeks performed brilliantly. Um, they've set the stall. They've got our attack going. Um, I actually, before I listened to Willie Peters' interview today, was thinking he'll probably go on the bench. But just reading to what Willie Peters was saying about his fitness, yes, he needs minutes. I can't, like you said, John, I can't see him being in, uh, even on the bench. I, I think it'll be Jez and Aidan Kainos, or obviously one of them two will come in for for the last spot on the bench. Um, Huddersfield have got a big pack. You've got Luke Yates, who likes to run direct. He's, he's a tough player. I, can't, I just can't see Abdul wanting to be in that middle, tackling people. Um, and to be fair, I don't want him there tackling people. I think he's just got to, he's got to be waiting in the wings, really, um, to take his opportunity. So that, I know it puts more pressure on Lewis and Snyder, but I think they'll, they'll reveal, like, revel in it, to be honest. So for me, this week, I won't even have him on the bench. Yeah, Bray, I'm going to read you some quotes uh, from Willie Peters' press conference that he did um, in the lead-up to the game on Friday. And this is specifically on Jordan Abdul. He said he needs to get as fit as possibly can and he needs to get his body right. I'm talking bigger picture, not just the next five or six weeks or the back end of the season. It's more around what he does in the break and how he comes back in pre-season because it's an important stage in Jordan's career. I don't want him to be a player... And he doesn't want to be a player that gets all that has all the ability and isn't able to put a few strong seasons together. Sometimes you can't help injury. It's just unlucky rub injuries. Some you can, though, because you need to get yourself in the best possible shape. Do your extras, do your rehab, do your stretches, do all the recovery you need to do after training and in the lead-up to games. If he does all that, we're going to have an exciting few years ahead. What do you make of them comments, Bri? Um, well, straight away you'd say, well, he's definitely not going to be playing this week. Just off them comments. Um, he, he, I'd also say he's part of the plans for next year to play as first choice with Snyder going back to Australia. So, but obviously, Peters has come in, seen something about him and is trying to coax him into the best he can be and being basically what a good head coach does and trying to get the best out of him um, and he's got no one better than having Danny there with him to who knows the, who knows what he needs inside out anyway um, for me that's that's a bit of a kick up the behind that's a mm. uh, get yourself sorted or you're not here you come back next season and you're not then you're not part of the plans, basically. But if you do what you do, you are going to be centred to what we do. Because let's be fair, before he got his first injury, he was on fire. He was a phenomenal player. Absolutely. Not, not, I've sat here for the last well, 10, 15 minutes listening to what, everything you've just said about him. And not one, one of you should have had the same conversation the week before he got injured. No one had thought about dropping him. No one had thought about any, anything like that. So that's how good he can be. Obviously, the stuff off the field that he's not doing to 100%. And players do that. Players do that in every sport. They think they can get by on the talent alone. Um, but clearly, he wants, he wants the best out of him because he knows how good he can be. I'd, I'd say if he didn't get injured, you'd have already been in the playoffs. You'd have already have it thrown up. So, realistically, from, from them comments, I'd say no for this week. Definitely not. At the end of the season, only if someone gets injured and, and, and they need replacing, maybe Mikey going to fullback. Um, if Walker picked up tweak here and there. Um, but, yeah, it, it's all about his attitude now, what he needs to do. He's been he's been given the gauntlet. Now let's see what you can do. And yeah. if you if, for me, that that screams you're not right. You you come back and you're X X kilos over, you know, and all this kind of stuff, then no, you're not part of it and we're gonna ship you off. 
Yeah, really interesting perspective there, Brian. Of course, before his first injury as well, he was one of the leading contenders for the Man of Steel. He was picking points left, right and centre. Um, more points than James has picked up through his driving um, speeding, I think. Um, but yeah, plenty of points. I mean, James, I'm sure it's not... I'm, I'm surprised it's not being picked up more, but it was the last part of what Willie Peters said, which really struck me in terms of sometimes you can't help injuries. It's just unlucky rugby injuries. Some you can, though, because you need to get yourself in the best possible shape. Do your extras, do your rehab, do your stretches, do all your recovery you need to do after training and in the lead-up to games. If he does all that, we're going to have an exciting few years ahead. Well, I read that as he's not doing that. And the reason he's, he's off the pitch and he's suffering some of these injuries is because he's not doing any of that, which is a worrying a worrying um, scenario, isn't it? Based on the fact he was given a new two-year deal earlier on in the season. Yeah, I mean, that's the first time I've heard those comments from Peters, and it's, it is quite, it is very interesting. It does suggest that he, you know, he's not basically been doing what is, is expected him to get back to full fitness. It just interesting ourselves in today that, you know, in terms of the last sort of four seasons, he's averaging about 13, 14 games a season for Rovers. Mm-hmm. But then the season before he came back to Rovers, when he's at London, he played 28 games for him, <laughs> you know, and it's just, so he actually thinks, well, what's, what's going on here then? Um, but yeah, I think it, it is. Those comments are interesting. I think also then coupled with the fact that he's been his contract's extended till twenty twenty six. I think you know just again does suggest was it a DJ reaction from the club early in the season to so that you better get him tied down and maybe giving him that security for twenty twenty till twenty twenty six might sort of make him make him knuckle down and there might already be concerns about what's going on in the background before then. Um, but yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely shot across the bows. And I think, as I said earlier, tweeted earlier that if that had been in a, he'd been in a quarter player, would he have been given as much leeway and, um, as Bas, Bas, some of the fan bases? When I think you know we've had quarter players in the past who probably had not as bad an injury record as Abdul's had, who've just been absolutely ripped, 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 ripped to shreds by some of the fans. Yeah, and Craig, I mean, ultimately. A fully fit Jordan Abdul playing week in, week out ultimately makes Hulkington Rovers a better team. There's no doubt about that. And we all want the same thing. We want to see Jordan Abdul on the pitch mm. leading the Robins round as we've seen he can do and we've seen him do it successfully and we've seen him really, really show some sparkling rugby league. The frustration is we don't see him out on the pitch enough times. And I hope Willie Peters' words, his comments strike a chord and come pre-season and, and next season we 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 see a fully fit Jordan Abdul and we see him doing all the things that apparently he might not be doing um, and of course he could still have a big part to play this season if, if he's able to, to to get out on the pitch because um, he does have magic in them boots and, and like I said we'd love to see him out there on the pitch more often yeah, definitely. It's like Bryce said, you know, the, the start of the season, he was unplayable. You know, he, he was picking up, you know, the, the points for the play of steel for the end of the season. You know, he, he was putting fear into the opposing players. You know, the fifth and last set, the, the bombs he was putting up. But then not just that, again, the way he was organising the team, you know, getting us on the front foot, his, his overall organisation, you know, the self players, outstanding. And I think, you know, you're right, we, we do need him back on the pitch, you know, 100%. Um, he needs to be 100% fit. He needs to be enjoying his rugby again. Obviously, getting over these injuries because, like I said, you know, he's an outstanding talent. Yeah, and we generally do wish Jordan all the best. He's going to be around for, for a couple of years uh, longer if he sees out his contracts, and we really hope he does. And we really hope at some point... We see him lifting silverware in the red and white of Hulkingston Rovers. Back to the Huddersfield game, Bry. Uh, you're neutral, so I don't mind asking you what score it's going to be or which way the game's going to go on Friday. Um, go for it. Um, okay, are they going to win? Um, I think two tries. Two tries. Um, I, th- see, the, I, I tip Huddersfield to be good. And I said that what they do is they'd probably win the Challenge Cup and then drop down, just like Leo. Yeah. But when you're in this situation, you 
you switch off. That's exactly what they done last week. As soon as they went behind, they seemed to switch off. I know there was different circumstances, but they do have that personality in their side that once they're behind by a couple scores, they're done. Um, so I think I think it'll be close because there'll be a bit of nerves from yourselves. Um, and then, and also because they'll think that they could, I think they'll start a bit feisty because they'll they'll have had a rocket for one, and for two they'll still think well they've been told we've still got a chance if we come out firing we can sort the points difference out and all that kind of stuff. But I think once you're ahead, maybe by maybe by about eight ten points, I think it'll be done. Say twelve fourteen points. Well, fingers crossed that we get that, James Craig. We'll be uh, we'll be dancing in the terrace in the seats if if that score comes off. Um, because I think going into that Salford game as well, James, um, we don't want to go into that Salford game as a bit of a shootout, do we? We want to want to be almost assured of of that playoff spot come the come the Salford game and a victory over Huddersfield will will pretty much cement that that playoff spot for me. I think, James. No, I, I agree. I think you know again it will just give us. Probably give given you know even more confidence, uh, given given our past record at um, at Huddersfield. Um, I'm I'm hoping that it is going to be as easy and as cl- uh, different as as Brass suggests, but I think it's going to be a bit tighter. I think it's going to be Rovers by two. Mm, Rovers by two. What about you, Craig? Um, I'm d- I'm hoping again what Brass said. Um, <laughs> I I've, I've got twenty six fourteen. Well, fingers crossed if you are heading across the M62 um, to back the boys on Friday night, make sure that you're loud and proud. Brian, before we sign off, just remind people again where they can catch Rugby League Share Day and information on that. Yeah, Rugby League Share Day on the Friday, the 22nd of September. Um, it's, it's, we're all over X and Instagram. Just search oh, Rugby League Share Day. Um, our link for the donation, the link for the donations is in our bios. And if you can't find it, just search Give As You Live Rugby League shirt day in Google and it pops up right there. And just hopefully everyone wears a shirt and shares it. And if, if you can donate. Yeah, please do put your hand in your pocket. I know times are hard, but even a quid, two quid makes a difference. So please do get. But well, that's the thing. Last year we had a we had a little girl who was seven, eight, and she give her pocket money, three pound, I think she gave last year. So this is what I'm saying. It, it it just reaches everywhere, doesn't it? And it's little things like that that make it worthwhile. Yeah, some off-field news for the Robins. Uh, connections. They've agreed to continue sponsoring Hulkington Rovers for another two years. Uh, apparently they've got some exciting stuff in the pipeline with the club. Uh, great to see them financially contribute to the club once again. Um, can never underestimate how inf- uh, important sponsors are and how much their money uh, going into the club is, especially in a game that's not cash rich. Um, that is it. That's this week's episode, which is powered by Budget Tires Auto Centre, the only car specialist trusted by Hulkington Rovers players, supporters, and club officials. Like I said, if you're going to the game on Friday night, be loud and proud. But for now, live, love, laugh and be happy. (laughs) 